This is Catalog and Cocktails, presented by Data.World. Hello, everyone. Welcome. It's time for Catalog and Cocktails, presented by Data.World, the enterprise data catalog for the modern data stack. This is coming to you live from Austin, Texas. We love to talk about data. It's the honest, no BS conversation about enterprise data management. I'm Tim Gasper, longtime data guy, product nerd at Data.World, joined by Juan Cicada. Hey, Tim, I'm Juan Cicada, principal <laughs> scientist at Data.World. And as always, it's a pleasure. It's Wednesday, middle of the week, towards the end of the day. And we're going to take a break and chat about data. And our guest today, who's here, is a person who uh, we've been interacting on Twitter for a while and then realized, oh, we're both in Austin. And when we met for the first time at Coffee at Flight Path, it was like, wow, like we should have met a long time ago. And we just, that one hour that we talked was so much. And that's Laura Ellis, who's the VP of Data Engineering and Platinum Analytics at Rapid7. Laura, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm here. We're chatting about data. We've got some great drinks. I yeah. mean, life can't get better. Excited to have you here. It's great Thank to meet you. you in person and to have cocktails in person. That's so Thank great. You. And yeah. also, Laura was a speaker with her team at our Data.World yeah. Summit, which was a really, really cool conversation about data teams. So definitely check that out. But hey, tell and toast. So what are we drinking? What are we toasting for? Laura, you actually, you you were the one who organized our drinks here today. Okay, so okay. For those watching, you get to take a look. Aperol <laughs> spritz, yeah. Some good old, unfortunately, we don't have nice fancy wine glasses. But, no, uh, we don't have fancy glasses, but it's very delicious. <laughs> it is delicious. Why is it so exciting? Why do you like this drink? You know, okay, so I started to like this drink when my dear friend, Blake McGregor um, of IBM a long time ago, we went to a conference and saw so many different uh, speakers and it was awesome, but we needed a break and we did ditch the conference for the day and then just go out and get up all spreads. And so nice. she's always had a soft spot in my heart. So <laughs> That's a good one. I like it. Yeah. So what are we, what are we toasted for then? To, to data, to great conversations <laughs> about data? Yeah. Getting data in the hands of the people. Getting data Ooh, in the hands of the people. Like that. That's our topic cheers, today. Cheers, so. cheers, So we have our warm-up funny question of the day, which is, what is the most controversial hill you'd die on? Okay. This is a big hill for me. So um, documentation is fun. Mm. Not not a joke. I love to write documentation. I love to read documentation. I think it is like the key to unlocking a lot of power. And yes, documentation is fun and everybody should do it to help your users and it helps your career. That's a good one. You know, it reminds me of one of the first episodes we ever had on Catalan Cocktails, like over two years ago, and we were just figuring out what this podcast was going to be, was one of my good friends and actually a colleague is Will Briggs, which is exactly on documentation, <laughs> which is like, nobody really loves to do documentation. So, but he, I think he follows your, your same vibe here. It's like, hey, we really need to go do this. And it's very valuable. So. That's a that that's a good one, and I don't. Not many people will agree with that. They're like, ah, screw that. It's something know. we need to go talk about. That's today. good. That's a good hill to die on. So, how about you? For me, that you know, when this first question first came up like five minutes ago, I was like, okay, so not a political hill to die on. I'm not <laughs> going to say anything about that. Um, and so, you know, what I'm going to say is, I love product management, and so my hill to die on is that product product management is the best job in the world. That's the that's the hill mm -hmm. I'll die on. Okay. I'm going to go a completely different angle. Uh, Seinfeld is the best comedy show ever. Period. Okay. I will. I will really go off and I'm dying. I'm really, I am. You a, are a Seinfeld. I lover. am a huge Seinfeld <laughs> fanatic. And it, by the way, uh, if you're in Austin, he's coming to Austin in March. Oh, really? I think uh, tickets go on sale on Friday. Um, so I'm really excited for that. Wow. That's probably gonna go quick. All right. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, like, let's just kick this off. All right, Laura. Honest, no BS. Is data really getting into the hands of the people who need it? 
So I think we want it to get into the hands of the people who need it. And it is getting into a lot of people's hands. But yeah, I think that it is a little bit more difficult than it's conveyed to get it to everybody. Because I would argue that the people who need it is everybody who has a decision to make with their job. Mm -hmm. And we know that that's not happening. Right. And so even though, you know, we may never get to 100 percent, my personal mission is to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing to keep closing that gap so that we get data into the hands of the people who need it, which is everybody who needs to make a decision. Hmm. So, so so this is a very important point you just said. So every, every decision needs to be made with data? I think, okay, okay, okay. Well, I mean, so is this is this a, a hill to die on? Right? <laughs> okay, no, I died on the I, I will die on the documentation hill. But no, not every single decision. You're right, needs to be made with data. But I think decisions. I do think decisions that are important, you should have the ability to at least make them or make a decision whether or not like to what degree you want to inform that decision with data, not make it just based on data, but you know, inform it with that extra piece of information. That makes sense. And why, why, why is this a struggle? Like why, why are companies struggling to be able to accomplish this? Cause I feel like we've been talking about this for, for ages. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, we have to get data in the hands of people. We got to be data driven. Like mm -hmm. let's, you know, we've had various generations of data platforms to help people make data more self-service, more understandable. And yet we're still talking about how do we get hand, data into the hands of the people. So like, what are some of the biggest problems that you're seeing that, especially a lot of the folks that you're working with collaborating with that you y'all are really focused on? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think it's hard for many, many reasons, but working with data can be hard. So some people, you know, may disagree, but I think generally it is one of the trickier things to do to work with data because you have to understand how to take a business problem, break it down into a data problem. You have to understand some basic analytical techniques. I'm not talking anything fancy, but basic. And then after you have that, you also have to understand the data and how it's structured and what each you know individual row or column means. And you also have to know how to interact with the tools that it's available in, right? So even you know coming into a new company, I'm a longtime data person. It's not like I just went in and was like, let me in there. I now can do everything. No, because I needed to understand what data was available and what the nuances of our, it are and what it means. So there's, there's a lot of different aspects to it that you have to consider. And I think um, just throwing it in a self-service tool, um, you know, it could seem like, okay, why, you know, if we build it, they should come, but there's a lot to consider. Mm. You just said something, I, it was very, very subtle, very important. You take a business problem and break it down into a data problem. And I think we overlook that because first of all, a lot of the data folks, the data teams, they know how to deal with data problems, but there is this gap, which they're like, they disconnected from the business, yeah. right? And then the business folks are maybe are not able to go translate to a data, to a data problem. The data problem, they don't know what, they, they, get, they don't get that business context. And I think this for me is that critical gap right there. Um, how are you seeing that this, again, we talk about this all the time. I think it's been it's been a topic every single episode now about bridging this gap between the business and the data. So what's your perspective about bridging this gap between the business side and the data tech side? Um, so I actually, ha I do have a blog on breaking down a business problem to a data problem. And the reason I mentioned that is because 
I, when I would train up analysts in the past, I try to teach them that it's no different than when you learned how to break down a word problem when you were a kid, you know, mm -hmm. when you did all your math, the numbers, and then all of a sudden you get a word problem and you're like, what are you talking about? Apples and selling things at the market. Like, what is this? Um, but you have to find the objects that you're talking about. You have to find the actions. And so I actually work, would work with my team. If you imagine you're an analyst, you get an email probably from somebody 10 levels higher than you saying like, I need this. And it's just got all this information that you don't necessarily need mm -hmm. and how to actually parse through that to get like all the constraints that you would want for a data problem. What are the objects? What's the time period? What kind of calculation are we doing? And so kind of teaching them how to underline these things, circle the different elements, and then start applying an analysis. Um, I think it's easier said than done. That's interesting. I, I haven't heard it kind of articulated this way, but I, I like your analogy there. I have some small kids at home, and so they're trying to figure out how to how to deal with word problems right now. And, and in much the same way, yeah, they're learning how to piece out, like, what are the entities here? What are the quantities? What are the relationships between these things? Because that impacts then how you're going to solve the problem, right? Um, what tool you're going to use, what math tool you've been using or learning that's going to help you to solve that problem. And, and maybe that analogy actually does apply really well to then now that you know those entities and, and what it is that you're trying to understand, what the question is, oh, okay, so this is what I need. And then you can map that to well, what data is available, where is it available, all that, right? Right, you just mm -hmm. break it down, make it less intimidating, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, you, you can see my smile right now. I mean, this is, you, you're, breaking, you're breaking down the problem in a way that it sounds so simple, which I think it actually is. It's Listen, understand, go read, go, 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 make sure you understand what people are saying, go write it down, go find within those sentences, what are the most important words, what are the most important actions, uh, and try to understand that. And if you can't go ask why again. Right. So I think this is so, this is such a critical thing. I mean, we do this as kids and then we come up as adults and we're working this data and we're like completely disconnected. I mean, like I remember one of our episodes with, I think it was Vip Parmer. He's like, we just miss a lot of the stuff that we have with kids, like that curiosity, just right. go asking why. I mean, and I'm glad you're bringing this up because it's, it's yeah. Anyway. And the ability that you're allowed to go ask, seek clarification. But again, if you're a junior analyst and you're getting an email from somebody who's like many levels above you, you might think like, oh my gosh, I got to go back with the perfect answer. Mm -hmm. But we have to make an environment where it's okay and expected and better if you're asking clarification. Yeah, agreed on that. I think this is this is an interesting way to think about it. I, I, I do think that maybe there's a gap um, though around, and I, I know a topic that's come up uh, as we've chatted together is around like, the user experience around the data. And so like, as you think about like people breaking down the problem, turning a business problem into a data problem, now they're looking for the data, they're trying to solve their, their data problem. Um, there's still a bunch of challenges around that. And a lot of that revolves around the user experience. Can you, can you talk about like, what does it mean for there to be like a user experience problem around data? Yeah, I think, um... I think a lot of companies have multiple tools, right? You've got, you know, a data warehouse or a data lake house, you know, your your main data store, you probably got some sort of BI. You might have like different levels of, of BI and self-service kind of tools. Mm -hmm. And you might have different data in there and you think like, yeah, we've got a lot of data and it's in a lot of different places. So you can just go use it. But we have to remember that these people working with data is typically not so I'm talking if we're getting to all the people, their primary job, and they mm -hmm. might have like half an hour, one hour to dedicate 
to solving a problem or figuring out some numbers around the problem that they're trying to solve. And so we have to make it super easy for them to be able to locate the data, understand it, get access to it, and then, you know, do some analysis. And there, therein lies, right? Like great data structure. We've got easy data access. We've got data documentation in that. Um, we've got data availability in the tool. We've got fit for purpose tools, you know, content. Like therein lies a lot of different pieces of the puzzle that come together to make that work. And so, so when it when it comes to understanding that user experience of the data and figuring out how these pieces of the puzzle come in, like who is responsible for figuring out what those pieces of the puzzles are and how they should fit together? Like in your experience, there's a lot of work that's kind of implied there, regardless of whether you think documentation is fun or not, right? Like who who owns that work? Who's doing that work? That kind of thing. Yeah. Right? Who, who owns the work of documentation? Who owns the work of talking to the users to figure out what is the type of tools that they want and so forth? Mm -hmm. That's a, that is a tricky question. So I'll say this, like personally, as you know, as the leader of uh, data engineering platform analytics, well, what that means is the data, the actual data, analytical data and the tooling. So like I would say it would be myself and my team. We are responsible. If we if we are custodians of that platform, we are responsible for making a good user experience in that platform. But that said, the best case scenario is when you enable the entire ecosystem that uses it, that they also feel responsible, right? Like the domains mm -hmm. feel responsible for their data as well. The different users, everybody feels like invested in this platform. But I say that not to shirk responsibility. Like I do think that the people who own the tools and the pipelines are responsible for the data quality and the user experience. Mm, that's interesting. So like, can you go a little bit into, cause I know that like you're especially involved around sort of like the data engineering and platform sort of aspect, right? And then you sort of mentioned about like stewards and like people in domains and things like that. Like, can you talk a little bit more about like what your sort of team and your focus is doing um, versus like some of the other parts of the organization that you think about or in some of the clients that you're working and, with? And I like to add a, mm -hmm. is understand how you're balancing what we talk a lot of the centralization, decentralization, what gets centralized, what responsibilities are centralized, what gets pushed out of domains and how, how, do you, how is that being managed? Yeah. Right. And yeah, I should say too, this is just like a model that works for us right yeah. now, right? So like everybody's going to have a different model if it works. I think honestly, if you have a situation where you have somebody who feels strong ownership, you are lucky, right? Yeah. It doesn't kind of matter what their title is. Embrace right? ownership where Embrace, it comes from. Embrace, yeah. Empower them, um, build them up, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so my team, you know, we own... Uh, or we are custodians of the analytical data and the analytical tooling. And um, sorry, you are a centralized team within your. We are a centralized team, mm -hmm. yes. But that said, we have, um, so that is my team, but we have different domains mm -hmm. that have expertise up and down the stack. So analytical expertise, data expertise, data pipeline expertise. And you may remember in our talk, where we were talking about how we were in ticket jail, we were in ticket jail because we were essentially a bottleneck, just kind of like the way that the team had grown over time. Um, and we realized like nobody wants that. And also our the ecosystem of domains around us are capable. And so when you look and, and you're not, first of all, bottlenecking um, groups and they're capable, it's like, why are we doing this? Something needs to change. And so 
we're shifting now towards um, that whole data mesh architecture where we can have these strong domains fully empowered to take our core models, um, work with our some of our main infrastructure, like alerting, monitoring, like plug into that, our documentation, our mm -hmm. support, et cetera. Um, but fully plug into that and be able to make their own models, publish them till the end, own them, and then, you know, have it in our reporting tools. That's what we're working towards. Um, and if you check out the talk our team was talking about, we're still we're still learning and evolving together with our um, domain teams. Yeah, I think what, what I'm really excited about hearing what you're just saying, which validates a lot of different kind of approaches that we're also hearing just talking to other folks is, yeah, you're trying to find that balance between what's what needs to be centralized, what needs to be decentralized. And from your central team also depends on the industry, the size of organization, kind of the culture you're trying to go change, trying to head towards. You define some model of how to go do things and you help and you kind of want other people to go replicate that, but you also want to make sure that that's as smooth as possible. That kind of where the ex, that user experience comes in through to make sure that they can, yeah, you can go do this too. And we want to make this easy for you to go do, and, and you've defined what that should look like. Yeah. I mean, we do say, so I have an amazing, fabulous team. So great. I'm very, very lucky about that. And we do say like, if we have capable people asking us to do something, and they can do it, but they can't do it because our system doesn't allow it. Like that's a problem we have to solve, right? Oh, that's a good point. That's a really good point. If somebody really wants to go do something or take that ownership, mm -hmm. and 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 you know that there's a, there's a couple of issues there. Well, let's let's solve those issues so we can enable them to go take the ownership and go because they have the capabilities and and desire to go do that. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things we were talking about earlier before was on on the how like identifying all these issues and, and and how do we make this better because we, we want to get data into the people uh into the hands of the people who actually need it why isn't that happening so i'd like to go into like what are the issues or kind of opportunities that you see that we should be able to kind of dive in to say oh this is this is a way to figure out what those issues are and how to go how to go address them yeah there's there's a few there's obviously many ways mm -hmm. for almost every question but what we did was a few different things so um one is we actually is really amazing. I consider myself very, very lucky. Um, we were able to work with an internal user researcher Ooh. to go out and speak with a cross-functional set of our users, our internal analytical users, and find out like what's working, what's not, which is really awesome because usually user researchers are reserved for external, external products. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And not only did we get to work with this user researcher, but this person is like, you know how we're crazy about data? they're crazy about internal user research, like awesome person. So they went off and did a bunch of research. And then additionally, myself and my team, we do feel very connected to our user base. So um, anytime that I would see like a presentation go out where it has numbers, I'll message that person and say like, where did you get those numbers? Who pulled those numbers? And then make up a meeting with that person to go find out okay, what assets did you use to get this? How was your experience? If it was awesome, let's harden that path and publicize it so that more people can have your success. If it was hard, let's think about how we might be able to solve this. 
That's interesting. You know, this really connects to my experiences coming from more of the product management side around, you know, user research and customer search, customer interviews and things like that. And, you know, obviously, like from, you know, being at a product company, we do, we spend a lot of time talking to customers, talking to stakeholders, users, things like that. This is sort of the data version of that. It's like, can we talk to our internal customers or internal users? And I imagine use a lot of the same disciplines that you see in sort of this product oriented research, you know, being done around these data experiences, you know, do, I'm, I'm curious, do you even internally think of this as like data products and we're doing sort of like research around this, these data products, or do you not quite go so far into the data product realm and Hey, these are just, you know, these are data sets, these are whatever. Right. I, so the fact that we're trying to get into the data mesh, right? Mm -hmm. So we would absolutely love to start going towards the data products. Mm -hmm. And we talk about it and we're like, this could be a data process, a product, um, which would be very much in line with the data mesh philosophy. Um, but that said, I don't want to overrepresent. We're still in our early days mm -hmm. of, um, of that data mesh. So we're just sort of like exploring there. And I will say the internal user researcher absolutely used very disciplined techniques me, I'm just going out and talking to people. Okay. So, so, so let, I, I really want to dive into this internal user researcher because this is something yeah. I, I've, we've talked about this as like the data therapist and people going off, but you, you, you have, you have, yeah. you've been already doing this. So who is this person and where did they, did they already exist? You hire them. Who do they, How they get that to? role? Right? How do they get that role? And, 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 and yeah, tell me more. Who is this person? I should have invited him here. I don't know. <laughs> um, so he's in the IT team. And they, of course, own all the enterprise applications for the company. And as we do like migrations from like ticketing systems or, you know, whatever expense systems, et cetera, um, they actually had a guy who was working on IT and got so interested in this process that he went and studied user research to have that kind of internal lens mm. on user research with the focus of just trying to make like at Rapid7, we call our employees Moose. Um, because it's the same uh, word, both singular and plural. So trying to make Moose life better is kind of this guy's mm. goal. And he's awesome. He will talk to you, again, just like we could talk probably for five hours about data. Maybe everybody else would leave the party, but we would still be here talking. He is like that for internal user research. So he, so this person already <laughs> worked in IT and he just happened to get really interested in how the business works and yeah. understand the processes and then educate himself on user, or just on user research. And just shifted into that role over time? I believe so. So wow. like, I'll say yes. And Thomas, if that's not your story, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, yeah, like that's, that's what I remember him telling me, which I thought was really cool because, you know, it's it's really cool when people go, kind of go through an authentic journey to find the stuff they're into. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Now, I, I'm so excited to hear this because it's it's validating a lot of the things that we've been talking about on, hey, this whole data therapist, mm -hmm. what we're we talking about. Like, let, let's go understand uh, what are your problems and how does stuff work and how are you doing it today, right? How could it be better? What's working? What's not working? And then it's this other topic on, on what we've been calling business literacy. It's like, mm -hmm. Not only should we strive for having data literacy within an organization, but we should have all the data IT tech folks also understand how the business works and understand mm -hmm. how what is the how, what is the flow of how does this company make money? You, you pour yeah. money here, how does that go flow and everything? And what are the processes? Who are the people involved and all the systems? And once you get that context, then you can actually ask kind of more intelligent questions, right? Yeah. So th th this is really validating that it's it's happening. I think we need to harden the structure. I think we need to. And I don't, I don't think there's many people doing this. I don't, I don't know. 
Have you brought this up and seen other your colleagues in different organizations? Are, are there other internal user researchers in other companies? Do you know? Um, I haven't seen other internal user researchers. Um, but yeah, I think there should be more. And like you said, I think there should be um, I think there should be more formalized education when you're onboarding to a company about like, this is how the company works. This, these are the basic systems. These are how things flow. Um, and then it can be specialized to your area, right? So like if you're working on data, you should understand the financial systems and how they go together and kind of basics around that. So you understand when things come in and um, the different analysis cycles, but the same would be for products, right? You should sort of know how a business functions. So if you have a product, how does it get provisioned? How do sales work? Is it licensing based? Is it um, like all you can eat licenses? Is it consumption based? You know, how do you onboard customers? That kind of stuff. Why don't, why don't, <laughs> why, what does the data people think about this more? I mean, it puzzles me. I mean, we, it is so annoying. I had to say it's so annoying. And like, my, my Twitter, yeah. my last Twitter feed discussion I'm in is like, oh, we need more technology, more tools. I'm like, no, stop it. And I'm <laughs> out of this room. Like, I, I can't even deal with it anymore. I, I feel like, uh, and I'm curious about your opinion on this, is that like, I think people are starting to think in this direction, but I feel like, um, you know, whereas like the software world, I know we like to always make our software and data kind of analogies here, yeah. like the software world, like really embrace sort of like agile and lean and like, you know, uh, customer development and things like that. And so like, oh, like, let's let's meet with our stakeholders. Let's meet. And then so you've got like these really important roles that emerge, like a product manager, like a, a user experience designer, which is usually an yeah. external facing user yeah. experience designer and things like that, where like those things don't really exist in the data world. And so in the data world, right, you have your data scientists and your data engineers and even like your data managers are often very technical and very platform oriented and things like that. And so that, that isn't the skill set they really learned or focused on. Like, so I don't I don't know what that means. Right. Like sometimes we're like, oh, we need new roles. But like or do we just need to change our hat out a little bit and build some new skills? Right. So, I, yeah, I'd be interested to see what you guys think. But I think because I've I've thought about this a lot. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, um. I think one of the issues is that software development, right? You're making a product that you can sell. So if you're a data team and you don't sell your data, you often aren't afforded to have some of the extra, it's not a luxury because it should be a necessity, but some of the extra um, kind of bells and whistles that a software development team that's selling software mm. would get. So like that user research, that product manager, that content writer, right? Like um, dedicated documentation yeah. people, Could you things like the that. Support yeah. engineers that we had those on an internal data platform. Mm. Like, yes, please. I would love so, this. But, but if we are actually putting data into the hands of the people who need it yes. and they're making those decisions that are making money, saving money, if we're doing that correctly, then we should be able to argue that because I think. Shouldn't we, shouldn't we say, look, here's this data. Here's this data you're using. And like, yes, I love this data. I'm going to turn it off tomorrow. You won't get any more. Right. Like if they're not complaining, saying, heck no, like I need that. Then you're not that essential. Then, then something's missing. I mean, so, I mean, it, it, it shouldn't be a luxury you're saying. Like we should, I mean, the, if we're truly delivering the value of data, then it should be on par with everything else. Or, I, think, I mean, or am I being too, well, I mean. So you're right. <laughs> It's just harder, but that's not an excuse to stop, right? But so, for example, like 
software uh, products, they can say we made X million of dollars last year. What we can say, we cost the company this much money. Now we can say with this many users, you can say this. And if we're amazing and if we are able to get out of ticket jail or like, you know, actually start doing more and more proactive data analytics, data science, we can start showing the business cases that we drove this uplift in, you know, more advanced marketing campaigns or, you know, actually baking in data science to our product. But that is it is such a heavy lift to get to that point because you are, um, first of all, we have to get to the basics of quality data, everything with our, our minimal staffing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we have to, we do this and you can't, you don't own the product. I can't just go to marketing and be like, use these campaigns. I'm turning off your other campaigns. These ones are more performant or, I'm putting a data model in your product. So, you ha- you know, anyways, I'm not trying to make excuses. So you're right. We should be able to have this conversation. But there or somebody taught me instead of saying, but we should have these conversations. And it's a little bit it's a it's a barrier to get there. But we got to keep pushing. So, right. Uh, that, that's that's interesting how you're thinking about all of this. And, and I, I think this connects to a topic that's come up a few times uh, on our show where we've been talking about like the ROI or the impact of data teams. And especially when you're internal facing greed, right? Or, or you're not building mm-hmm. out data products that you're monetizing ultimately. Right. Yeah. Um, it can be difficult to actually calculate and spell out the ROI. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no like formalized sort of data accounting that mm-hmm. you can really do around like, around like, oh, like what were the decisions that our team made possible that resulted in us, you know, making more money, right? And and if that report or that dashboard wasn't available, how much would a team be willing to pay to make that dashboard reappear? Like that's how valuable yeah. it is for this company. You know, there's there's this idea of sort of like data accounting which doesn't exist, which maybe it should, at least in theory, probably literally. I I, I think yeah. this is this is the change. Like this is the paradigm shift when we start thinking about it. like we are not talking about data account data accounting. We should consider what that even looks like. I'm not, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. We should have that discussion and say, does this even make sense? What, what does this look like? Let's hypothesize about this stuff. Like mm-hmm. these are the discussions that we should be having more publicly. And when we go off and in conference and stuff, like let's have this, like I, I'm, I'm done with the, I'm done with the technology. Like, I mean, I'm okay. Of course we need technology, but <laughs> it's like, done with it, but, 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 but we need, we need to, we need to really stuff, we need to right? elevate the discussion. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm really loving this whole yeah. data accountability, yeah. data accounting, and another topic that's come up, and and it is something with our colleagues with with Emily Pick uh, and Taiji Scott here at Data World. We've been talking about this data marketing, like oh. the same way we're marketing a product, right? I always bring up, I I love my Yeti water bottle, and there's a reason why I bought it. Yeti has really yes. cool marketing. Yes. I buy this. Why aren't we marketing the data that we're releasing? Because if we're supposed to go promote it, we want people to go use it. Let's go really market and promote it, right? Not just like, oh, data's out there. It's a, it's on a catalog. Let's see what, what, let's just, people will find it. So I will say that is something that I'm also passionate about. It kind of is like sort of in line with documentation, right? Mm-hmm. Is communicating the value of what your team does. So our team went through this transformation uh, recently, and we're still going through it, where we're trying to have this unified experience across tools, across data sets, right? Like our data users, are our data users. They're not, they don't care what the technology, they're just like you, right? They don't want to talk about technology. They don't care what the technology is. They don't care 
you know, about us, like if we give them this whole scavenger hunt that they can go on to find the data. Nobody wants that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went ahead on this user um, user experience project. And one of the things that we got, which was very cool, was our marketing team actually made us a little logo. So we're the moose. So they made us a data moose, which was pretty cool. And we're making a little bit of swag. You know, when we're incentivizing people to go through our training. So we have trainings at different levels of our tools, like viewer training, explorer training, you know, admin kind of training um, for our data mesh users that are able to act more autonomously in our systems. Mm. Um, And then the other thing is um, we launched two other things. One is a blog, which I know a lot of internal teams have a blog, but what we try to do is if something sort of big at the company comes out, we have a new product, we have new packages, whatever. Then we'll put together a blog that talks about this is what's happening at the business level, right? Teaching the business side. Here are some of the main data elements that this amounts to. And here's where you can find it in like our data lake house and our reporting solution and our self-serve and our friend solutions too, which would be like our enterprise applications. Because even though we didn't make those reports, we know that they're in the sphere, like they're in the conversation and we want to be able to navigate our people. Mm-hmm. So we're trying um, on the marketing side. We also have a newsletter, by the way, which is kind of fun. Um, and we don't just write about stuff that our team does. We write about what's happening in the data ecosystem at mm. our company. So you can, like, I would like, I read it on a Saturday morning. I'm like, what's the haps? What's going on with data at our company? But maybe <laughs> Mo- not everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's going on with the data moves? <laughs> That's like, who, who, who puts that together? Is that something that you're putting together or like somebody on the team's doing or? So I'll say, um, so we have an amazing technical program manager who is, um, so she's a program manager, but she's also like has been a data scientist and like data generalist. Um, and so she keeps us all organized. And then the different leaders of my team, we all uh, put content into it and then gather content from the community. And it works because everybody on my team is great and is also very passionate about this kind of things. So, like everyone is excited about the newsletter. Nobody's annoyed. At least they don't tell me that. <laughs> well, this is fun. I, I mean, I know you said that you're not really doing data products in a formal way, but when you say that, like, you're doing data marketing, you're doing data, data user experience, you're thinking about the data mesh, like, I'm like, you're dangerously you're close, close to not, doing data product right. stuff. And, and, and not even close. I think you're even yeah. going way beyond what other folks yeah. are doing. Like, I actually see and I go talk to the people who are, oh, we're doing this data mesh and we've gone and we've hired all these companies to go do it. I'm like, none of them are talking what you're saying. Oh. And, and, um, and I think this is the, this is a diversity of thought that we need to go have, and mm-hmm. I'm really excited about kind of this idea of the data marketing. I mean, I, I say it, I say this, we've said it in talks before. Like, it should when you go off and you search for data in your catalog, it should be just like that experience when you go buy something on on your favorite e-commerce platform, right. and that's a lot of documentation you get out there that there has to be there, right? And which which product are you going to buy? The one that has great documentation, one has crappy documentation. Yeah, I mean that sell the documentation is a big selling point right there. So I think this is something um, that we need to really start focusing more, and and it provides people need to realize that there's value behind that. But that value goes again. We really need to go strive to make connect that to the actual dollars. Yeah, I think that if we don't, we're just going to keep having this conversation. People are like, yeah, those are the folks in the corner who are talking about that cool stuff. But hey, how's that making money? Yeah. I, we, I think success here is being able to go directly connect here is this data work project data data set product whatever 
and it's connected to this dollar amount. And if we cut it off, people are going to go on flames. Like, yeah, uh, we need to get to that point, I think. And if we don't, we're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Einstein's definition of insanity. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it is daunting to go and measure your impact in a way that's not reaching. You know what I mean? Like if you're saying I've enabled this product on using analytics, so therefore, you know, the lift of their product could be driven by analytics. Like mm -hmm. it is, it is, it is tricky to measure the, the financial impact of an analytics team in a way that is either that is real and realistic or not just targeted to like a few specific um, projects that you did, like projects we can measure, mm -hmm. you know, if we're lucky enough to get to those projects, projects we can measure, but like measuring the financial impact on the foundation, that's hard. Unless yeah. it's not hard. I would love to hear. But, ideas. So, so why, I mean, so let's get into this brainstorming. We wanted to go kind of have live brainstorming yeah. on how do we define success success of, of 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 the data teams right success yeah. of your team like why is it why do you consider it hard wow because i think you have to make a leap like i mean i'm trying to think real time like how mm -hmm. would i measure the success okay uh, this is where my yeah. mind goes okay so and we can poke a ton of holes in it i'm like mm -hmm. well could we say that employees that use data like these employees these products drive their decisions X percent more with data. And since that have seen an, you know, a Y percent lift on sales and then therefore, you know, it has on average this financial impact. And then, you know, we, that times weekly active users, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm throwing things out there, but it's hard. Maybe yeah. you guys have ideas. Well, I mean, maybe it's like just rolling with that idea you threw out there. Maybe that's, you know, a survey and you're mm -hmm. kind of like surveying the, the folks that are leveraging, you know, the data to create these different things of like, hey, like, I mean, some of it might be connecting it back to user experience more around the user experience that they have, but maybe some of it is around like, well, what was the value of the dashboard that you created? Was it, you know, how important this was this for decision making? Was it must have? Was it nice to have? I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of brainstorming on top of your brainstorming here on like how you, you know, if you can't get super quantitative about the monetization of it, yeah. then maybe you can at least talk about sort of the impact of it. So then go like the, the, the user research, right? We should be able to go have the user research on to understand the experience and the process before using data. Like we should be able to go have that type of user research to understand the value of this data. Let it be quantitative, let it be qualitative. And I think- I think that's a good point. And then, it, I mean, look, I mean, I'm asking this out now, everybody who's listening, like, are you doing surveys, for example? Like, are you going off to your executives, to the leadership team, to the sales team? Mm -hmm. Are you going off and surveying them, hey, saying, hey, we've delivered this data. Are you using it or not, right? I mean, or get that qualitative, have, have those interviews. Because at the end of the day, we don't know. We don't know. We're not even asking these questions. And I think we live in this vacuum. We're so separated. We live in our bubbles. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, so I don't know what the answer is, but I think a first step is to go start talking to people and even doing a survey. And I think like, you know, it is hard and we know data platforms are important, period, like internal data platforms. So we need to get data in the hands of people. Everybody makes people traditionally make better decisions when they have data access, you know, whatever decision that they end up making. Um, but I do think if we push ourselves to try to measure the monetary aspect, 
we could even probably do more, right? If, if I knew that I had to measure my team's financial impact, then we'd probably be out there actually like pushing more financially impacting projects, mm. right? Because so, that would help you prioritize. Yeah. Because at, at the end of the day, you're like, well, I've already figured out and we have, we realized that we're, we're working together. And then with that team, without us, they're going to go fail on their projects and it's going to have a financial kind of affect the company financially. And for another team, we don't know. Mm -hmm. So maybe, I mean, maybe that, that forces the other team who doesn't know to figure out what is going to be the financial impact. Maybe you realize I'm going to just start working more with it, where I know that I'm giving a financial impact. I don't, and maybe we're, maybe at the same time, we're kind of over-indexing too much on the financial impact. Yeah. That, that, that may be a case too, but, um, but, I, but we don't know. There's so many unknowns right now. Yeah. And some people have done like when you request, um, when you request time with the data teams, like if you request a data team project, you have to put in like the financial or whatever metric impact, which I think is nice. You know, it's a nice way of having stakeholders also be bought into partnering with you to actually get those metrics, right? Cause we can, we can release the data, but usually it's, um, empowering people in a system that we don't own. Right. So like empowering them to change something in the product that will impact product sales or something, as I said, like marketing or whatever. So yeah, if we sort of create that as something that we're asking for up front, then maybe that would set us up for success. This is um, interesting. I, I think this provides a nice framework to think about. And, and, and I like that we kind of connected it back to the user experience research too, because like, you know, there's like in, in user experience research, right? There's like value research, which is more like, is this a valuable use case? What's the impact? And then there's more like solution research, right? Around more of the, is this the right solution? Is the user experience correct? And things like that. And there's a few other kinds of user experience research. So I like how, how we kind of took data accounting and user experience yeah. and kind of all wrapped it together. Um, before we go into our lightning round today, I know we're having an amazing conversation. <laughs> so time is flying. Before we go into our lightning round, I would like to kind of bring it back to user experience, uh, like very squarely again, and just understand. So we talked about like, you know, you do these interviews, right? You have like a user researcher internally, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, what other sorts of recommendations would you give to like some of our listeners and some of our audience around how can you take more of a user experience centric approach to to data yeah so i am famous for saying the devil's in the details mm. um so i implore everybody to be detailed to make sure that you have a healthy healthy dose of details right at whatever level you're at um, because when you dive into the details that's where you find out how things are really working, like beyond the clean architecture diagrams, beyond the operational processes, you find out like how things are really going and that can inform your strategy and your vision and also keep you honest about, again, what's really happening. Um, so my advice is to dive into the details and then even more than that, hear it from the people. Um, if you see people doing great things, struggling, even just using your product, just like take a minute, grab a coffee with them virtually, ask to hear about their experience. And, you know, it's, there's no better way to be motivated to fix something than to hear somebody struggling, right? And, and this is the empathy right there. Yeah. Th th this goes back. I think this is a theme throughout the last months and a, and a shout out to our guest is one of our guests who brought it up, empathy and curiosity. Yeah. This is what we really need. I think <laughs> that user researcher is, 
<laughs> is curious to understand, yeah. right? And, 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 and having that empathy. That this, this is the critical aspect that's, that's missing. Hmm. Wow, time flies. Ready? Want to head out to our lightning round? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. All right. So we're moving to our lightning round section, which is uh, sponsored by Data World, the data catalog for successful cloud migration. And I'll kick it off first. So should we pick someone in our extended data organization to wear that data UX researcher hat? Or should that be some outsider? Oh, gosh. I say if there's anybody who can wear that hat, hold on to them tightly and, you know, empower them to do it because it's a real luxury to have it. So kind of like take take whoever you can. I love it. I I, I think every organization could benefit some, with somebody with that hat. And, and that's probably not done enough, like really somebody who's focused on that. Um, next question for you. So you talked about documentation and that was the hill that you would die on yeah. is the documentation can be fun, right? Um, is making documentation smooth and easy good enough? Or do you got to do more? Like you got to gamify it, you got to incentivize mm. it. You know? is, 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 smooth and, is smooth and easy good enough? Yes. Okay. So not only will I die on the hill, the documentation not can be fun, but is fun. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, also, Thank you for the correction. <laughs> so sure. um, but also, yeah, I'm very particular about it. Like mm. it has to be, um, it has to be quick. Nobody wants to read your thesis. I, I know we're all proud of the new data that we brought on, right? But nobody wants to hear like the journey that you went through, right? <laughs> That's true. The journey is often a, you know, as a, as a data scientist or something, you want to say, well, here's everything I did. Right? You want to say yeah. it, but like, let's lead, lead with the answer that what we need to know. And then you can have all your appendixes and a little five minute video is like, mm. you know, the chef's kiss. Nice. For for the Loom fans out there, you pop up your Loom and you make a little video, yeah. right? Awesome. Can we teach data teams to be empathetic? Or, or is that just... It's like, can you teach people to be empathetic is the question, right? <laughs> so I think, um, I think, I think yes. Like, so it's, so can you teach people to be empathetic? So I think, um, it is easy to not feel empathetic when you're, you know, in ticket jail or you're just getting tickets and they're like not not people asking you things. You're not seeing how um, you're not feeling it day to day. Mm -hmm. um, but I think if you make sure that people are faced with the reality of what's happening, good or bad, because lots of times like things are going awesome and mm -hmm. you want to show them, hey, look, you know, sh share a Slack somebody sent you. I love this new data that you released, you know, screenshot that, send it to your data engineers. Um, so, so yes, you can help them feel it, but can you teach them to care? Well, that's like a human thing. That's a very good distinction right there. I like All right. that. All right. Ready? Last one, Tim. Last okay. question. Okay. Um, so people process technology, okay. right? Um, is data user experience really mostly a people problem? Mm. Oh, gosh. Well, I think it's all three, mm. because it's also about the implementation, which has a lot to do with the process and the technology. Um, but technology doesn't drive itself, neither does process. So, you know, at the end of the day, it usually is about the custodian and in, you know, the custodian team. And unless you don't have the money to buy appropriate technology or buy in, which is also a people problem to get mm -hmm. the process. Um, it's typically a people problem. 
in my, my opinion. Yeah. So it's all three. Tech's a big piece, but it doesn't drive itself. The custodian team matters and buy-in matters. Yep. Mm. All right. <laughs> T T Tim, take us away with takeaways. Oh my goodness. <laughs> takeaways. So so many exciting things that we talked about here today. So um uh you had discussed that like when we want to get you know a really good data user experience and if we want to get data in the hands of everyone um that's a that's a, a big ask it's been a big challenge for a long time uh we may not get to 100 percent, but we have to have that mission to get data into the hands of everyone um and almost every decision should be made with data the decisions that are important need to have the ability to use the data um and it's uh it's really tricky to work with data right that's like one of the main reasons why we have these challenges today um and it's because you have to do a lot of different things one of the biggest things is you actually have to translate a business problem, as you were mentioning, into a data problem. Uh, and that requires, and you kind of give this example of like, you know, when children do these word problems uh, and they have to understand like, okay, so there's five apples and there's five oranges and, and there's Fran and there's Sammy and, and there's some exchange happening here. And then they're doing something with those objects and then they cut one in half. So you, you need to understand like the problem and what the objects are and what the verbs are um, and you know, this is, this is knowledge, right? This is like the knowledge and the understanding of it and the translation from the business to the data and, and probably vice versa. Right. Uh, and, uh, and that's tricky. That's hard. Um, and you, you have to understand the rows and columns. You have to understand the tools and the technology. You have to understand the data that's available and the people that know things about this data. So there's a lot of moving pieces that have to come together in order to make this a success. So there's a lot of moving pieces there. And one of the biggest things you really highlighted and was sort of the central points of our discussion today was around user experience of data and how important user experience is to try to tame some of those challenges and really make it so that people can take advantage of the data and the knowledge to be able to do work more effectively. You said that we have to make it very easy to find the data, understand the data, access the data, things like documentation, search, fit for purpose tools, content, context, all of this has to come together to make that work. And it's important who owns the who owns that work, right? So the data engineering and platform team should take ownership to kind of create a good experience for the platform, but then embrace ownership wherever it comes up. And, and if you're kind of thinking about this sort of uh, data mesh oriented model, then you can really think about where are the domains, where are the sort of the pockets of sort of uh, expertise that you can be empowering ownership around. Um, and you mentioned that you all are kind of embracing more of this data mesh approach because you were experiencing some of the bottlenecks that come with the team having to do everything, right? Yeah. Um, and that's really hard. And so that was a, a, a big shift there. And we see a lot of companies now shifting to at least in inspiration by data mesh and in many cases actually implementing data mesh. Uh, and uh, you had mentioned that uh, there are a lot of opportunities on how to address data user experience. Um, and you mentioned about having an internal user research researcher. Uh, and obviously, a lot of companies don't have internal data researchers. So maybe you, you got to think more about like a hat. Somebody can wear that hat. Um, but if you can get somebody like that, great. Yeah. It sounds like it's had a huge impact for you all. Um, and th that person can kind of come from anywhere, right? So for you all, that person came from, from IT. They had a passion about uh, user research. Um, and they focused on making the life better of people around them. So culture and empathy kind of expressed in all of that. Uh, and then they shifted into that role. So I think you can also think about this as an evolution of people within your company. And, you know, maybe they're wearing a certain hat today, but maybe they're going to grow into a different hat, a more of a knowledge hat, more of a user research hat. There's a lot of opportunity there and so much more. But I'm going to pass the baton over to Juan. Juan, where are your big takeaways? Well, 
one of the things we did was validating a lot of the points that we brought up before about like this business literacy combined with the data literacy, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there should be some more of the formalized onboarding process of, hey, how do all these systems work together? What are all the business concepts? What are all the products? How do they all work together? How do we even onboard customers with an organization? I think that's something that's missing within organizations and we need that more, help us generate that empathy of how things work. Um, if we're treating data more like a product, maybe there is a gap here between like the luxuries that the product engineering team may have, right? They have product managers. They already have user researchers and stuff like that. There is kind of that, that, that means there's a gap there. Uh, and, and why do we have that gap? Because I think commonly we think the data and the IT, right? Oh, that's a cost center for the organization. And so something there needs to change. And I think we've had this brought up this whole data accounting like there is no formalized data accounting maybe there should be mm -hmm. what does that even mean i don't know but let's actually start that conversation i think that's a really fascinating point that we just made there uh we brought up the whole enablement and data marketing right Doc this is again documentation continues to be a theme it's, it's all yeah. over documentation is mm -hmm. key for this right uh, you talked about how you guys created some swag and logos to encourage people to do the training. Uh, you're promoting the work that folks are doing. I think you want to celebrate those wins. Uh, even have a newsletter, right? Like not just what the platform team is doing, but what's happening within the ecosystem. And you have an OT a TPM who's actually who's doing that work right there, who's generating that newsletter. So th this is really cool culture that you're that you're discussing there. Um, Talk, talk about how do we define success here? Let's go brainstorm into doing more than just, uh, oh, uh, okay, yeah, we have some users and so forth, but uh, how do we actually connect the data to the actual money, to the financial aspects yeah. directly? Uh, how do we understand what that value is? Like, we should just start doing surveys. And I, I ask everybody here, are you even considering doing surveys? Do you even, because we don't even know what we don't know right now. Yeah. So let's start asking people around this. Uh -huh. um, and then a good point you brought up is like, if you're requesting time from a data team, you should be providing the financial impact of what that's going to have. And I think that's, 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 those are small steps that we can start doing. And then uh, additional best practices that we discussed at the end about data UX is be detailed. When you dive into the detail, that's how you figure out how things are really going, not just look at that pretty neat architecture. You got to hear it from the people. So if your people are struggling, go talk to them, go understand what they're struggling. And this goes back always to empathy. And if I were to summarize our whole discussion today, it's user experience research for two things. One, to understand the business and the processes within your organization. And two, a huge potential is to understand the val the true value, maybe even economic financial of the data within organization. Yep. So the two words here takeaway is user research. Yes. All right, how that was our long takeaway. I do we love do it? it. Yeah, great. This is awesome. <laughs> All right, so we'll throw it back to you. Three questions. All right. What's your advice? Uh, who should we invite next? And what are the resources that you follow? All right, so advice. This is life data advice, right? Mm -hmm. um, so my advice is to build people up around you. So build up your team, build up your peers, build up your peer pluses, build up your friends, your family. You know, build people up around you, invest in them. There is more than enough sunshine for everyone, right? Like it's important to know that giving to other people and making them feel good will like only give back to you, right? It never takes away from you. So that's everyone advice. I love that. Uh, second one. Who should we invite next? Oh, yes. So who you should invite yet next is a dear friend of mine who I've talked to you about before, Caitlin Huden. And she is a principal data scientist, long time, you know, amazing woman in the data field, talks about all sorts of things, data, um, at Beyond Posey at Twitter. 
and also has a blog as well. So she is like a dear, dear friend of mine um, in the data field, but also in real life. So awesome. Yeah. yeah. And uh, finally, what resources do you follow? People, blogs, podcasts, books, conferences. Also oh. mention about your blog as well. Yes. Some folks were adding comments saying, uh, how do we, how do you mention some of your blog posts? How do they oh, find your blog? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so my blog is littlemissdata.com. So you can find me on Twitter at littlemissdata. And um, my blog is littlemissdata.com. And I talk about all things data. Some stuff is weird. <laughs> but it's all data related and I find it fun. And that is just me. I'm not going to apologize. That's cool. It's real, right? <laughs> it's real. Um, and then um, I like to connect with people. I'm more of like a people learning person. So these mm -hmm. conversations, community stuff. Um, so I like to be involved in communities. I have two favorite, like two of my favorite communities it will be a shout out. Um, one is Our Ladies. So that is kind of where I got my first taste of user communities. It's also where I met my dear friend, Caitlin. Um, and so I love Our Ladies. That was uh, founded by Gabriela de Quiros, who also founded AI Inclusive. Um, and then also I do, this is, you know, for the ladies out there, both of these, um, Women in Analytics, Women in Analytics community is like a hybrid um, community in person and online, uh, founded by Regan Avon, who's also a friend of mine. Um, and then just like, so any communities like this, and then talking to the people in person on Twitter, we like to talk, you know, on Twitter. Um, and then I find like from there, you kind of know about events going on. And, you know, once you connect with people, it's like a spider's web. And also shout out, you organized an interesting conference that you brought up a oh, while yes. ago. Yes, talk actually. Talk about this. Yes, yeah, so Caitlin's going to laugh that I'm bringing her up so many times. So that's <laughs> very classic, our friendship. So um, uh, Caitlin and I run an event called Data Mishaps Night, which is super fun. In you know, if you like data, it's super fun. Uh, every February, this will be our third one coming up this February, um, where people share their data mistakes. Um, and last year we had 13 speakers and... Um, it was like, I think we had maybe 500 or 700 people online. Wow. And it was, it was awesome. It's, it's cathartic because you hear crazy mistakes that we've all made. It's funny, but it's also kind of empowering that like we all make mistakes. So I, I love that. We have to check that out because I feel like every conference you go to, every community part of it's like always the, the perfect architecture. So great. Yeah. Perfect technology. Great. We made a billion dollars, right? It's like, oh, what about the times where we screw up? And that happens right. more than we when we expect, right? So mm -hmm. and and that's the road to iterating to getting better. So yeah, yeah good time so yeah. you guys should join all right well next week we have loris marini who is who is uh uh from the podcast discovering data we're really excited we were on his podcast he'll be on, that, on our podcast that's gonna be a, a great show and with that laura thank you so much this was a, a phenomenal conversation because we ended up in a place which i did not expect we, had, we kind of do a little prep. We know where things are going to go. Yeah. But we ended up with this whole user research. And I'm super excited. I hope everybody who's listening is thinking right now, how do I get user researcher internally? Not yeah. just external, but internal for data. And with that, Laura, cheers. cheers. Thank this you. This is Catalog yeah. and Cocktails. A special thanks to data.world for supporting the show, Carly Berghoff for producing, John Loyans and Brian Jacob for the show music, and thank you to the entire Cataloging Cocktails fan base.